This is our third session on 2 Thessalonians 3, 1-5, and I want to especially focus on the Lord is faithful. What does the faithfulness of the Lord refer to? Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run and be glorified, just as also with you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For faith is not of all. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. So, Father, as we try to understand your and Christ's glorious faithfulness, would you show us what that is, and would you assure us of it? We want to know that your faithfulness commits you to establishing us and commits you to guarding us. And so show us how this actually relates to us by showing us what it is, I pray in your word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we zero in on that, just ponder with me for just a moment the the strangeness, at least it seems to me, that these two verses here look like they're almost ready to draw the epistle to a close. Finally, brothers, pray for us. It sounds like, okay, I'm done talking to you. I'm done praying for you. I'm, I'm about to leave you. I ask you to pray for us. But he's not done. He's not done. He shifts from concern for the gospel and for himself as he moves on right back to concern for them. But the Lord is faithful, who, is, who will establish you and guard you. And then he goes on for another several paragraphs in order to deal with the idle people in the church. So what, what's the deal? Perhaps he was preparing to end, and a couple of triggers went off in his inspired mind. One is he just alluded to evil men that we may be protected or delivered from wicked and evil men, and that raises in his mind, well, that may give a concern to the Thessalonians. And so here's this very same word, and he says, but the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from from the evil one. So even though I just mentioned that evil ones may attack us, and you may say, well, they're going to attack us too. He now assures them, and that gets him started on talking about the the church, and he's not done yet. And I put uh, the Greek here for established because in the preceding verse, he said, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them. He's praying for God to establish them in every good work and word. And now he says, oh, and even though I've mentioned the unsettling truth that there are evil men ready to oppose the gospel, don't worry. God is faithful. The Lord is faithful. He will do what I just prayed. That word established. He will do 
what I just prayed that he would do, and he will protect you from the evil one. So I think having mentioned his own need for prayer about wicked and evil men, he feels, I've got to go on and say some more encouraging things for the church in regard to the opposition they're going to face and the troubles there are in the community itself. Now, what is the faithfulness of God? The Lord is faithful. Let's just do a little wider study here about this. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. That Hebrew word right there is the, for those few of you who know Hebrew, the, the nifial stem, see that little noon there, of Aman, and thus means passive voice, trusted. So you could translate this, the Lord your God is God, the trusted God, the reliable God. Now, trusted to do what? Faithful to what? And he mentions covenant. He keeps covenant. And that would be clearly a very central truth about the faithfulness of God. God's faithfulness means he keeps his word. If he makes a promise to you, a covenant with you, he keeps it, and therein lies his faithfulness. However, I want to push behind the covenant and say, was he a faithful God before there was a covenant? Does God's faithfulness come into being only when there is a word to be kept or a promise to be kept? Now, I don't have to wax philosophical here on this or probe unknown into the dark recesses of the deity. All I have to do to answer that question is go to Paul's own words. 2 Timothy 2, 11-13, If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Jesus said that. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Now, what does that mean? Faithful to what? Here's the ground. For he cannot deny himself. I think the answer very clearly is before there's a covenant to be faithful to, there's a self to be faithful to. God's faithfulness is rooted fundamentally in his commitment to be God, his commitment to act in accord with the infinite worth of God. God is not an idolater. He is faithful to his infinite glory and value. God is faithful to God. He never denies himself. And then, of course, since he never denies himself, he keeps his word. I think that's really important to know that his covenant-keeping faithfulness, his word-keeping faithfulness, is rooted in his faithfulness to his own self. Now, let's look at two passages where 
it comes to bear on his faithfulness to his people. 1 Corinthians 1 8, the Lord will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. So he's going to do this. He's going to sustain you, Christian. He's going to sustain you. He will hold you fast. He will keep you from stumbling. He is faithful to what? By whom you were called. He's faithful to his call. He has called you. And those whom he calls, he's faithful to keep. The call of God binds him to keep you because the call is the call into his kingdom. The call is the call into forgiveness, into life, into the fellowship of his son. Similarly, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He will do this. He will sanctify you. He will keep you. That's what his faithfulness commits him to, which now enables us to see what's going on here in our 2 Thessalonians 3.3 text. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you. Just like I prayed for you in verse, uh, what, 17, back here. Establish them in every good work and word. I prayed for it. God's faithfulness is going to do it, and he's going to guard you. So just like we saw this prayer was positive and negative here, offense and defense, same thing here. This is offense, and this is defense. God is going to do what needs to be done to establish you in good works. You're going to be a busy person because God is faithful, and you are going to be protected from the destructive effects of the evil one. So the faithfulness of God, because it's rooted in his faithfulness to himself, which is the highest ground possible or the deepest ground possible for God's consistent action, binds him to be faithful to his word and then to his calling and then to his people. And that means he will establish us. He will guard us to the end. What a glorious thing to get up in the morning, re-establish yourself in faith in the God who loves you and gave himself for you and never, never, never breaks his word, and to say, you are faithful, God. You will establish me in good works today. You will guard me from the evil one today. Here we go.